can we ever have it all? Can we ever truly have it all? It's a question human beings have been asking themselves for centuries, yet we are still looking for a solution to the passion paradox. This is episode 189 on the All or Nothing Mindset, a solo dive into passion, addiction, and the dark side of flow. Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, life optimization coach, Forever Athlete founder. Now let's dive into it. A quote to kick us off today, fully alive and deeply committed is a risky business that costs nothing less than everything by Stephen Kotler. Today, we're exploring what's known as the passion paradox. What do Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, and Andre Agassi all have in common? They've been celebrated in their lives for being at the top of their sport, whether it be Woods' 15 major wins to Phelps' 23 gold medals and Agassi's eight Grand Slam titles. There is no debate these men are greatness personified in their arenas of expertise. But did it come at a cost? Each of these men have had their own share of struggles with various addictions outside of their sport. That's no secret. The question of the passion paradox poses is this. Do we need an all-or-nothing mindset to become the greatest of all time? In short, I don't think so. And today, I want to show you why and really how to avoid burnout in that process. It first starts with unpacking the word passion. And as the Oxford Dictionary puts it, it is a strong and barely controllable emotion. But what gets really interesting is the word gets its root from the Latin word patty, which means to suffer. And over the years, we've come to our more modern definition, but the athletes that we highlighted earlier are just a drop in the bucket of countless examples that suffering exists for those who so boldly chase after their passion. It just exists outside of that passion, right? That leaves us with a choice. Do we throw caution to the wind and chase after our passion? Even if it means an area of our life might suffer in that process? Or do we play it safe and possibly live a life with regret? That's on you as the listener to decide. The dilemma we faced with really here stems from a fundamental lesson that we're taught very young. You probably remember your parents teaching you, just don't play with fire. You're not supposed to go around fire, don't touch it, right? But where were the lessons on how to play with fire? Because that's what passion can be for so many of us. It's this fiery thing inside of us, barely controllable emotion, so strong, according to the dictionary, but according to you as well. You know what that feels like. Where are the lessons on how to play with fire? That's what I want to unpack with you today here. So I ask because when we are enrolled in our passion, we are often in what's known as flow state. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of flow, I'm a flow coach, and that's what we're going to break down. And it feels like we're on fire when we're in flow, almost like we're Tracy McGrady in NBA Jam, and every shot that we throw up just sinks in. And they did a great job with graphics in that game, by the way. Absolutely killed it 10 out of 10. It feels good when we're in flow. It feels addicting. It feels like we are fully alive. So how many athletes tell you that they feel the most alive, they feel the most like them when they're out on the field, or all their problems went away when they stepped on the court, when they stepped into that basketball court for the first time, or for practice, it was like everything else did not exist. That's how I felt when I stepped into the locker room to go to swim practice. Everything else did not matter. I was there to work, and I was there to do my thing, because that was where I found flow. 
It's because in flow, all of our problems go away. And we become singularly focused on what's immediately in front of us. That's a key, really, trigger for flow in the first place. And all of those other things that we need to get done, poof, boom, they disappear. They don't exist when we're in flow. That's the beauty of it, right? Well, twofold. It's kind of this dual-edged sword. We praise athletes for the ability to do this, right? Think of Brett Favre. This dude went out and threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns the night after his father passed. It's an example of a great sports story, but I think it highlights really Brett's ability to compartmentalize certain things and find flow, and in that flow, everything else did not matter for a second. But what does this ability cost us as athletes and as human beings? Is it always a good thing for an athlete to get lost in their primary flow activity and be able to disassociate from the problems of life? No. To a degree... Yes, it can be a coping mechanism, but when it becomes the default habit, the only coping mechanism that exists, we have a larger issue at hand. The root really there is the passion that exists for me for Forever Athlete and why I encourage so many athletes to explore other flow activities while they're still in their sport. I don't want them to go through the same feeling of not recognizing themselves in the mirror every day that I went through. And when we are in flow, we feel the most like ourselves. And when we can't find flow, we don't feel like ourselves. We can become a stranger in our own body. We look in that mirror and we don't see, we don't even recognize who we see. That's the dark side of having only one way to express yourself. The passion paradox is simple. When we are pursuing a passion, we are more likely to find flow. But too much of it can leave us feeling burned. To learn how to play with fire is really what we're after here. We must first look at the six characteristics of the dark side of flow to look out for as we pursue anything we become passionate about. And more importantly, a solution if we find ourselves resonating with any of these six characteristics or all of the six of these. Who knows? The first one we have here is continually pushing the challenge level. I had a client tell me a story once about how he found himself mid-Ironman training, going for a three-hour bike ride alongside the highway in New Jersey in the early morning pouring rain because that was what he felt most alive doing. When our passion exceeds our safety, that should be a red flag. The solution is to take a step back and detox. When you're in the sober state of mind, objectively analyze what it is that you're doing and ensure there's some calculated rationale thought behind the foundation of your actions. Number two is this feeling of painlessness, invincibility, and avoidance. We condemn addicts for using drugs to achieve these feelings and coping with their life, yet we celebrate athletes for their perseverance to oftentimes the same extent. Using flow to kill pain and getting a distorted sense of your own capabilities while avoiding uncomfortable feelings needs to be addressed. A quote that helps shift your mindset around negative emotions, at least for me, is the level to which you allow yourself to feel negative emotion is the level to which you're capable of feeling positive emotion. The solution here is to confront the uncomfortable emotions and avoid masking them with flow. This can mean going to therapy, getting a life coach, journaling, meditating, really whatever you need to do to work through that emotion. Number three, we have workaholism. 
the most sociably acceptable addiction that exists. How many of you have ever experienced discomfort when you're not working or engaged in a passionate activity? You almost become despondent and you want to go back to it, right? It often makes relationships and recovery between those work bouts very challenging. The solution here lies in slowing down to speed up. Getting okay with the come down from work and learning to sit back with a lack of stimulation. The kicker is, if you can tackle this, you'll actually become a way more efficient worker. So work smarter, not harder. You know that saying, take a step back. Four, losing the key to the lock of flow itself. This is what happens when we become reliant on the job, the sport, or the identity to find flow. When we retire, we get injured, or we get benched, or something else happens where we become sidelined, oftentimes we find ourselves locked out of flow with no way back in. It's what I described earlier, of looking at ourselves in the mirror and not recognizing who we see. The solution lies here in creating multiple access points to flow. The key being that they need to be varying. Try new things. Identify what you like and what you don't like. And the things that you do like, do more of that. Doing more of what lights you up is the secret to not becoming dependent on just one key to that place that you want to be. Number five, becoming a bliss junkie or requiring flow to get work done in the first place. It's like the athlete that only gives their best effort at practice when they feel good. And then every other time they're just like, eh, whatever, I'm here. I'm just going to go through the motions. While it sounds simple, Oftentimes, humans can become reliant on flow for any form of productivity. And if you find yourself in this category, go back to the basics. We're talking the foundational, really, tenets for peak performance in the first place. We did a deep dive episode on this. I don't even remember what number it was, but if you look at foundational performer or foundational points of peak performance, I'm getting tongue twisted. Go check it out. It dives deeper into each of these, but for a brief overview, We have hydration, sleep, movement, daily gratitude practice, mindfulness practice, and social interaction of some sort. Those six basics are non-negotiables for the peak performer. When you dial back into those basics, first and foremost, you'll see that flow is this emergent property of them that sits atop all of those things, not the other way around. You don't need flow to do those six things. In fact, doing those six things increases the likelihood that flow can occur. So make sure you are chasing after, quote unquote, the right thing. Now, lastly, number six, we have a sense of self-inflation, aka your head becomes too big for your shoulders, right? The ego becomes inflated and we become overconfident. We blindly start diving into our passions with no regard to what might happen as a result. And this can result in us becoming maybe sporadically manic, excessively excited, a distorted perception of one's worth, or excessive, really excessive sense of what we are capable of. This, um, it's funny, a, a funny example how like this all or nothing mindset has shown up recently in my own life. A few months ago, I ended up buying one of these headband boxing balls. So it was a boxing reaction ball. And you wear this headband on your head. There's this foam ball attached to a bungee string, and you just punch it in front of you. It looks absolutely ridiculous as it sounds, trust me. And when I first got it, I was like, I'm terrible at this. I can't make contact with more than one to two things here at a time. But I went all in on it, 
And before I knew it, I was hitting 50 to 100 in a row. And that sounds cool, but that's a highlight of just how sometimes that all or nothing mindset can be applied towards things that are absolutely useless (laughs) skills in your life. So if you find yourself really having your head become too big for your shoulders or going all in on things that aren't really worth your time, like hitting a, a ball on a headband attached to your head, like I did, it helps to have people in your life that allow you to stay grounded. Relationships are huge. They, that allow you to gain perspective and discipline to be able to catch yourself in those moments. It really pays to have people in your life to call you out on your own BS. They keep you in check from becoming that aloof, woke, spiritual friend you all know and have that's maybe done one too many ayahuasca retreats or trips, right? Stay grounded in who you are requires you to come back down to earth from time to time. And oftentimes, in doing so, you recenter and are able to direct that passion, that fire in you towards the things that actually move the needle, unlike that aloof spiritual dude who's just constantly talking way above your head and you really look at it and you're like, I don't think they're actually really doing anything in the first place. That's a whole other episode we could unpack. To play with passion at the end of the day is to play with fire. It's a slow, controlled burn, and that's your best way to build out your ability to play with this fire. So when you're pursuing a passion and you want to have it all, look at this and also mindset. That's what I invite you to today is checking out how can you be an and also lens in life? Can you pursue what you're passionate about and also have the other things that you would like? Oftentimes, that's going to require you to define what does it all mean to you? How can you create harmony in your life? We've had many episodes talking about that topic. When we create harmony, we allow ourselves to not become so focused on and reliant on just one thing. While this all or nothing mindset can feel like the golden ticket to success, it can also be the kryptonite of some of the most successful of all time, like we've seen with the likes of Tiger Woods and countless others out there. I can't express to you enough the importance of having a solid support system around you that can help keep you in check on your journey towards passion. That's one of the many benefits of the Forever Athletes Social Club, our new membership that is launching September 1st, just three days from now at the time this episode is being released. The first of its kind, the social club is designed to help you experience well-rounded flow, giving you the support you need to pursue your passions without burnout. So head on over to foreverathletesocialclub.com for your first week on us and see what this club is all about. And until next week, flow on, my friends.